Hi, John Kuzma from EndzoneBlog.com's Across the Middle Show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we have three great topics today. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Cleveland Browns. You know, Cleveland's reloaded. The Browns won't be the laughing stock of the league anymore, and that's because of uh, all the talent they've acquired this past offseason. When you talk about uh, Tyrod Taylor coming in, uh, Carlos Hyde, who's probably the best running back available in free agency, and then they trade for Jarvis Landry, Landry, who's been so consistent and uh, really always showed up for the Dolphins during his time in Miami. So these are three big acquisitions. Then you got Josh Gordon, who looks like he's going to be available for all 16 games. Remember, he was battling some uh, substance abuse problems. But now he looks uh, like he's passed those off-the-field issues, and that's going to be big because he could be even better than Landry. Really, it's going to come down to those two players for the alpha dog role. Maybe Jarvis Landry's consistency uh, makes him the top guy. But then again, when you look at Gordon from a f- uh, physical standpoint, as far as his uh, you know his height, his weight, his speed, he's just a freak of nature. No, no guy that big uh, and should be able to run that fast. And you know Josh Gordon, you know you have to believe that just because of his abilities. Um, not many people can match up with that. I believe he'll be the alpha dog in this offense. But still, when you have two guys competing for that top spot like uh, J- Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, that's so huge because uh, they're setting a great precedent from everybody uh, from the top uh, to all the way down to the 53rd man in the locker room. So the Browns have... Uh, some great weapons out wide. Haven't even mentioned Corey Coleman, who can contribute more than a couple touchdowns per year himself as uh, the number three receiver. He actually looked really good at some uh, some uh, points early on in his career. He got banged up. I think he broke his hand, and that really hurt him. But uh, Corey Coleman can play, and as long as he can stay healthy, I uh, expect big things from him too. And then, you know, we haven't even mentioned the tight end, David Njoku, who is a rising star and showed a ton of promise in his rookie uh, season. So you have to expect he'll be much better, too, with a year of uh, development under his belt. You know, another training camp. He uh, is going to come into this offense and probably, you know, add a lot, you know. I think the quarterback play is going to be better with Tyrod Taylor, you know, and then you have all these weapons around Taylor to optimize uh, his ability to perform at a high level. And that should result in a lot more points being put up for uh, the Browns. And we haven't even really talked about how much Carlos Hyde, you know, they're going to be able to run this guy consistent, uh, consistently at, uh, 20, 30 times per game. And Hyde's going to make everyone else's job easier because he uh, takes on so much responsibility. And, you know, that all that causes uh, is the opposing defenders to creep up a little bit, which opens windows in the passing game. So I, I like what the Browns have a lot. They have so much talent, you know, uh, at the receiver positions and the tight end position, all their skill players offensively really are looking really, really good. You know, Tyrod Taylor, they're saying, is looking like a, a professional, like he has always been in Buffalo and um, ever since he was named the starter up there. You know, Baker Mayfield a little bit behind, but um, Tyrod Taylor is the anticipated starter for the uh, for the whole year anyway. So Mayfield's going to have to take the clipboard, sit and watch, and, you know, uh, 
maybe that's a good thing for him. You know, he he's so used to being the guy at Oklahoma, and now that he has to adjust to the pro speed of the game and um, just everything these defense coordinators are throwing at him, I think maybe uh, taking some time to learn from the sidelines might be a good thing. So uh, as far as Cleveland goes, Josh Gordon has a chance to be the best receiver in the league. Jarvis Landry has a chance to be a top 10, maybe a top 5 receiver in the league uh, if he can be over 1,000 yards, over 100 receptions, um, which we've seen him uh, do each of those things in the past. So, uh, and then Corey Coleman, you know, a lot of upside, um, was a former number one receiver in this offense, you know, when they were depleted the last two seasons. Uh, he can bring a lot to the table too. David Njoku, uh, what a great tight end, a guy that has good size, good speed, who can work, uh, the vertical passing game from, uh, his, in tight position, so they're gonna they're gonna stretch the field with these wide receivers. They're gonna create mismatches against defenders who just can't match up. Um, you know the two big frames there with uh, Gordon and Najoku, and then Landry, who's just so consistent, catches everything that comes his way. Coleman's a little bit smaller guy, but he's explosive. So between every single player in this passing attack, they have. Uh, pretty much every angle covered you know the big uh possession receivers you know the speedy vertical guys and then you have landry who's just uh more consistent than everybody else i guess that's the best way to define his game very good at catching short passes uh you can run bubble screens and spot passes to him all day, and he'll give you a couple yards. So, And maybe the best thing you can say about Jarvis Landry is he's such a competitor. He brings a fire to this team, and they're going to love uh, just what he brings, not only as a receiver, but as a as a blocker, as a guy who just uh, fires up everybody around him. So collectively, I like what the Browns have done, and they're looking much better. Uh, the next topic we have on the ticker is Le'Veon Bell continues to be the focal point of the Steelers' offense, whether it's on the ground or through the air. You just can't say enough good things at, about Le'Veon Bell. You know, there's not many players that embody a dual-threat running back the way Le'Veon Bell does. You know, this guy's known for his ability to glide through the, through holes and be uh, very patient with his running style. You know, he's also exceptional at catching the, the football out of the backfield. You know, the stats tell the real story when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. He had 321 rushing attempts and he caught 85 receptions. You know, not many players can take on that kind of workload, but Bell is cut from a different cloth than most ball carriers. As much as we like to rave about the six-year pro skill set, at some point we have to acknowledge just how tough Bell is. You know, it takes another level of durability to endure all those hits, and that might be the most impressive thing about the former Michigan State alum. Other players would have simply wore, wore out from all the wear and tear. Bell hasn't skipped a beat, though, and, you know, he's ready to do his best work in 2018. All those years in the past, he's... uh developed his identity, built his confidence, established himself as a premier player in the National Football League. But now he has to really reel it in as a leader, too. We know Le'Veon Bell can do it as as an individual. He's always been able to do that. But now he has to get it done from a team standpoint, too. And that means he can't make contract extension demands 
the week of a playoff game or the biggest game of the year. He has to um, really buy in to be in a, a team first type of guy. You know, he's missed those training camps in the past, and it doesn't just uh, it doesn't set a good tone for the rest of the guys in the locker room. So you know, Antonio Brown uh, causes a little bit of drama from time to time. Bell, you know, can be off just in his demands. You know, just miscalculated when he makes those demands. So if the Steelers want to win, which they've had the talent to do so probably the last couple of years, if they would have been better from a leadership standpoint. So what they have to do is they have to reel it in. You know, they have to get everybody to buy into the bigger vision that the team is more important than each individual's. We know these guys can play at a level that's far superior than most other players in the league, but are they playing for each other? When they're in the locker room, do they look at each other and think, you know, that guy's going to lay it all on the line for me? Or are they thinking that guy's out to get his and do what's best for himself? Unfortunately, it feels like the Steelers have been out to get their own and do what's best for themselves instead of saying what's the best for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Once they get to that mentality, um, that's when they'll be a true Super Bowl contender. I think Mike Tomlin's got to be better at... uh, his football strategy too he kind of blew that game against the Jaguars in the playoffs but I think uh you got to give Big Ben a little bit of credit because he could have had a huge extension or he's still going to get it but he's downplaying it to the media he's making it seem like his only focus is uh playing the best football uh he can and that's huge for the other guys in the locker room because it starts with the quarterback position and when Ben says you know I'm not worried about the money I'm worried about playing football to the best of my ability I think the other guys in the locker room are going to emulate that they're going to think you know uh why why shouldn't I be like Ben Roethlisberger? You know, they're going to start to question why they're being so selfish. They're going to see Ro- Roethlisberger um, not uh, focusing on the money, but focusing on, you know, the big picture. And I think some of the other guys are going to like that and buy into uh, the culture that Ben Roethlisberger is trying to build in Pittsburgh, which is um, football is the only thing that's important. And some of the other guys, you know, they have the ego and they have uh, a lot of publicity and they're living in that spotlight. And it's like, uh, ultimately, you're measured by wins and losses on the football field when you're a football player. It doesn't matter if you're a star off the field. The only thing that should matter is bringing home that Vince Lombardi trophy. And with all the talent the Steelers have had, They've been underachievers with all that talent. They haven't uh, got the job done. They haven't come close enough. You know, it's not like they got to the Super Bowl and lost where you can say, hey, it just was a a few bad breaks here and there. These guys have underperformed. They got showed up by Jacksonville. And have some pride if you're those guys, if you're Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, the rest of the guys in the locker room. Have some pride because... Um, you just got showed up by an up-and-coming team that you should have beat. So we'll see if the Steelers mature and take the next step or they're going to keep trending backwards and everything they have with this talented group is going to unravel. So that's definitely a concern. Uh, the next thing up we have, this has been a rough offseason for Dallas and now will be up to Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott to save the Cowboys. Man, the Cowboys front office isn't doing Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott any help. Uh, When is the last time 
that you've seen the Cowboys struggle this much throughout one offseason. You know, Dallas usually has players lining up to wear the star on their helmet, but things took an interesting turn over the past four months. Des Bryant was cut, Jason Witten retired, who will both be extremely tough to replace. Then the Cowboys brought in a bunch of less talented players, such as Alan Hearns and the rookie Michael Gallup, to replace those guys. There's so much uncertainty there, and that just places a lot more pressure on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Prescott struggled a little bit when Elliott was suspended, but hopefully they will both perform once the regular season gets here. Really, that's Dallas's only hope of getting back to the postseason. Um, Elliott has to take on the entire load and lead the league in rushing again. Then Prescott has to make plays off that when those opposing defenders try to key in on the Cowboys' talented running back. I think Jason Garrett also has to draw up some plays which uses uses, uh, Prescott's athleticism whether that's on rollouts or bootlegs. And then out of shotgun, you'd like to see this team run some zone read because uh, that's a pretty good duo for that scheme. You know, Uh, Prescott can be mobile. He's a fast player. Ezekiel Elliott's arguably the best running back in the National Football League. So um, it's just so hard to compensate for both of those uh, both of those plays, either the handoff or the quarterback pulling it and keeping it. And you don't have to necessarily have Prescott uh, keep it on a run. He could pull it from uh, Elliott and throw it on the zone read, too. So it's all about just drawing up plays that optimize those talents and get the most out of uh, these these uh, great players, great young players for the Cowboys offense. You know, Dallas doesn't want to eliminate too much of their under center plays because playing out of those tight formations allows Elliott some great blocking advantages as far as like counters and um, tossing and pulling both the guards and things like that. So you don't have as much versatility out of shotgun because you need those five offensive linemen to block out of the gun. Where when you get a tight end and a fullback, you can get a little bit more creative and things like that with the misdirections. And so it's all about finding the perfect blend, but each play that they roll out has to play to each guy's strengths. You know, uh, as far as Prescott goes, um, you should try to almost run like a West Coast offense, short routes, timing routes um, that are high completion plays. So Dak Prescott uh, can be put in more favorable circumstances. If you ask Dak Prescott to sit in the gun and try to emulate Tom Brady, it's going to be a rough day for this franchise. So really they have to optimize Dak and Ezekiel's talents. And to be honest, that's the only shot the Cowboys have this upcoming season. Uh, I just think there's too many unknowns. There's too much uncertainty. I think the guys in that locker room know that talent-wise they're not as good as they were last year. And that is not a good uh, sign heading into the future. So Dak Prescott has to play his best game but the most important thing is Ezekiel Elliott has to be up there almost leading the league in rushing yards and if that happens everything might be able to fall in place from there but if Ezekiel Elliott can't get going it's over for everybody that's the bottom line and uh hopefully you know the Cowboys can get it going and get things uh turned around a little bit if not um they're going to be another team that regresses and maybe falls to the bottom of the NFC East. You know, Giants, I think they could still beat the Giants, but the Giants are getting better. The Redskins are going to be very close. Um, 
And don't forget, you know, uh, the Cowboys are also dealing with suspensions, too, on their defensive line. Um, So between the loss of all this talent, the suspensions, the bad draft, they didn't make enough splash in the draft, they didn't bring in uh, enough talented free agents, all of that's going to have a negative effect on game day. And uh, America's team is going to take a little bit of a hit in the wins and loss column. I'm John Kuzma. I appreciate you guys tuning in. That's all I have today. Check out endzoneblog.com for all your latest NFL news and updates. Also, check out our Twitter at endzoneblognfl. I appreciate it. Take care.